and it's Across the Crook and the Crown, part two. Now, if you didn't hear part one, it's still on the page. Um, you just need to scroll down a bit through our church page and you'll find part one. We're going to do a little bit, just a little recap, and then we're just going to go straight into it. But tonight we're going to focus almost entirely on Psalm 23. Almost entirely on Psalm 23, because last week we done an overview of the three Psalms. And then we focused really on Psalm 22. So tonight we'll focus on Psalm 23 and the Lord willing, the Lord wanting. Uh, next week, uh, we will focus on Psalm 24, if the Lord leads that way. So the Lord bless you all. And it's good to see us coming on. Uh, let's just buy in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless the study then before we just enter into our time here in the word. Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this, Lord, our health and strength. This day, this hour that we can gather around the word of God in our homes even. We thank you for the technology, Lord, that we can use for when we can't gather together. So we just pray and we ask you, Father, that you would bless this study tonight. Lord, may your son be exalted. May he be seen and lifted up. May he be glorified. And Lord, may your church be edified. We pray, Father, that you would bless and encourage everyone. And we thank you, Father, that, Lord, we still do have uh, some uh, liberty to bring your word across uh, the Facebook Live and other venues and other avenues. And we pray, Father, that you would keep them open until, Lord, we meet again. We ask you, Father, that you would, Lord, enable that to happen soon, Lord, that we'll be gathering together to worship in our own places of worship with people of like mind and faith in one heart and spirit to worship your son and to give him the glory for all he's done. Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you do. And we thank you, Father, that you're our God. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord and our God is the Lord and our Lord is our God. So, Lord Jesus, we just ask you now that you would meet people at the point of their need, whatever, wherever they are, wherever they're watching, whether it's now live or later, we pray, Lord, that you would meet them at the point of their need. Maybe some are sick. Will you touch them, Lord? And maybe some are down feeling, Lord, isolated. Would you be their company? Would you be their portion tonight, Lord? And we pray, Father, maybe some of them are, are just really, uh, Lord, trying to find a way through this. Maybe they're f full of fear or maybe there's some anxiety there. We pray, Father, that you would settle their heart and bring the peace of God that pass of all understanding. And we ask you, Father, when all is said and done, that your son would be exalted. Lord, wash us afresh, as it were, in the blood of the Lamb, as we claim the merit of the blood of Calvary, the blood of your son. And we pray now, Father, that your spirit would shut each and every one of us and we yourself, wherever we are, Lord, we know you're there. You're omnipresent. And we ask you to be with each and every person, each and every family, each and every marriage, and each and every person, Lord, that listens now or later, Lord, would you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless us all. I know there's people that have come on from all over parts of the world, from the United States. And there's usually ones that would come on even from Australia as well. And some are maybe going to their bed or maybe in their bed and some get up early. And it's the same whenever we usually meet on a Sunday morning. You know, there's some people who are in the United States, who they would actually get up early, really early to be able to come on to watch the services, whether we're all together at CET in church or whether we're, we're at, uh, just doing our live service um, from there ourselves. But anyhow, we, we're glad you're coming on and we're glad that you're sharing, that you're sharing this to your page and you're inviting others. You know, it's a good night. People are maybe sitting in their gardens, maybe are glad to get out for a bit and sure who could blame them. But nevertheless, we're going to look at Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24, but mainly sticking on the 23rd Psalm. It's called The Cross, the Crook and the Crown, part two. Okay. For example, the Psalm of the Cross, Psalm 22. And first one says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And the Lord Jesus cried this from the cross. We looked at it last week. We don't want to go too far into that because we looked at that last week. We have so much to go through tonight. And then when we get down in the same psalm, we, we see the, the, the agonies of the Savior through the, the spirit of prophecy in verse 14. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and it is melted in the midst of my bowels. 
My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Then he says, For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, enclosed me, they have pierced my hands and my feet. And there we see the piercings of Calvary of the hands and the feet. Uh, the, the dogs uh, who encompassed the Lord were, as it were, the Roman soldiers of the day. The assembly of the wicked were the Jewish Pharisees and the scribes and, and those who called for his crucifixion who would have wanted him to be crucified at Calvary there. And then, of course, in verse 17, he says, I tell all my bones, they look and stare at me, upon me. And is not what happened on the cross. And then we see what the Romans did with his seamless garment in verse 18. They part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. And, and so we'll stop there in that psalm for we looked more at it last week. But can't you see Calvary the whole way through this? That's why it's the psalm of the cross. Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the crook. That is the shepherd's crook where it would have gathered around the sheep's neck in danger and pulled it in. And on the other side was the staff that would have fended, defended the sheep and fended off dangers. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, says Psalm 23. And we don't want to go too much into it at this point because we are going to look more into it obviously tonight. So there's the Psalm of the Cross, the Psalm of the Crook, and Psalm 24 is the Psalm of the Crown. And at the end of Psalm 24, it says, Who is this, pardon me, verse 8, Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. So the Lord is the King, the King of glory. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. See, Lord, pause and think about it. So Psalm 22 is the Psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the Psalm of the crook. The Psalm 24 is the Psalm of the crown. Or, Psalm 22 is the psalm of the Saviour. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the Shepherd. And Psalm 24 is the psalm of the Sovereign. Psalm 24 and verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. The Sovereign God, the Sovereign King. So as we go through this, we're going to look more and more at it. So you have the cross, the crook, and the crown. Remember, in this order, I'm going to bring some of these, some more uh, things that we can relate to these psalms out. First of all, Psalm 22, Psalm of the cross. Psalm 23, Psalm of the crook. Psalm 24 is the psalm of the crown, or the psalm of the saviour, the shepherd, and the sovereign. Or when we look at ourselves in these psalms in Christ, we see at the cross, Psalm 22, where the Saviour is, we see our redemption. In Psalm 23, where the shepherd is and the crook, we see our reconciliation in Christ. And so there's, that starts that relationship. So there's redemption in Psalm 23, reconciliation to God in Psalm 22, in Psalm 23, reconciliation. And in Psalm 24, we have restitution. When the Lord Jesus comes back again, there will be restitution. And the restitution really means, we looked at it also last week briefly, it really gives the idea of that when he returns, there will be a full theocracy at the kingdom age. That is when the fullness of the kingdom is here and the Lord Jesus is ruling and reigning. It means that the restitution means that which was lost in the garden is gained and uh, lost in Adam in the garden is gained in Christ. In Eden it was lost, paradise was lost. In Christ, paradise is regained, as it were. And so we find that those of us who, in Adam's race, we are of Adam's germs or Adam's seed, we're sinners. And so because he fell, we fell. Because he died, we die. And so in Christ, in Christ also will be made alive. And that will be at the age of the ages. Or the end, if you want, of this age, going into the millennium age, into the age of the ages. So we have redemption, Psalm 22. We have reconciliation, Psalm 23. And we have restitution in Psalm 24. In other words, 22 is, shows us our past, washed in the blood. Psalm 23 shows us our present in Christ. That is, we are in him, we are washed, and we are walking this scene of time. And then in Psalm 24, we see our future in Christ. 
In Psalm 22, we have Old Testament end, because then is the cross, remember? Psalm 22 is Old Testament end. Psalm 23 is in the New Testament era. And in Psalm 24, we have the kingdom age, the king coming again. And then we can go on again. There's the cross. We see the glory in Psalm 22. We're living in the grace of God in Psalm 23. And then in Psalm 24, we see the glory, the glory, the grace, the glory. 22, 23, 24. There's a lot in it, isn't there? And then when we look at it, we have salvation at the cross in 22. We have sanctification of the spirit. We're living with the Jesus as it were, the Holy Spirit. He's living in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory in Psalm 23. And then in Psalm 24, so that's sanctification, salvation, sanctification, glorification in Psalm 24. For when the king comes, we will be changed. Our bodies will be changed. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so that's glorification in Psalm 22 at the cross where our salvation is, where our past is wiped clean. We are free from the penalty of sin because we're in Christ, because we've been washed in the blood, because we're redeemed. We're free from the penalty of sin, the breaking of the law of God. Sin is a transgression of the law. We're free from it. In the Lord Jesus Christ. We're free from the penalty of sin. In Psalm 22. That sanctification of the spirit. Walking with the saviour. Our day and daily walk. We are free from the power of sin. That is that he makes us overcomers. And even though we feel we are trying to overcome. Uh, the, the, the life that we used to live. We're forgetting it. The old man is dying. The old woman is dying. And we're overcoming in Christ. We're free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin in Psalm 23, and we will be free from the presence of sin in Psalm 24. The presence of sin that has us sinning in our old fleshing carnal bodies that we're in, that the, the pains and the shames and the sufferings and all of that stuff, we will be free from it, for we will have a glorious body. Our glorification be changed like unto his own glorified body. So Psalm 22, Psalm of the Cross, we're purchased, purchased. And in Psalm 23, we are preserved. He keeps us. Jesus saves and Jesus keeps. So 22, we're preserved. Psalm 23, pardon me, Psalm 22, we're purchased. Psalm 23, we're preserved. And in Psalm 24, we are perfected. So you can see the, the pictures in these Psalms and it's all found in the Lord Jesus Christ and nowhere else and in none other. And then so salvation is in Psalm 22 at the cross. We are saved. Psalm 23, we are sealed by the Spirit. We are walking with God. Psalm 24, we shall be satisfied when we see Christ saved, sealed, and satisfied. Psalm 23, Psalm 22, this, pardon me, the Psalm of the Cross, we see the Lamb of God on the cross. In Psalm 22, he's the Lamb who's risen again. He's living again. He's walking with us. He's he sent his Holy Spirit to us. And, and in Psalm 24, in Revelation tells us he's the, the lamb on the throne. He's the lamb in the midst of the throne of God. We see the lamb dying, the lamb living, and the lamb reigning. It's wonderful. And then in Psalm 22, we are ransomed. We are ransomed by the Savior or by the Son. In Psalm 23, we are in relationship with the shepherd or with the son. And in Psalm 24, we will be ruling with the, with the sovereign or with the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a big mouthful, isn't it? That's a lot to take in. And I know you'd have to listen to that a few times just to get that overview. I was reading this and looking at it and dissecting it and thinking about it. And this is what the Lord was showing me as I was trying to lay in bed and sleep at night. 
And Psalm 23, the Psalm of the Crook, the Shepherd, the Reconciliation, the present here and now. It's the New Testament era of the Spirit that we're living in, in grace, in sanctification, free from the free from the power of sin. We're preserved. We're we're sealed unto the day of redemption. We're in relationship with the Lord. So let me run you through Psalm 23. And this is quite light, this bit. Let me run you through Psalm 23. And there's so much in it. So, for example, Psalm 23 is a, it's a psalm of reflection. And it's a psalm of experience. Reflection and experience. And we can say this because it's believed David was an old man thinking back when he had written this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so he's reflecting his experience, his walk, his life with Yahweh, Jehovah, or with God, the Lord. And so he's, he, he's reflecting. And notice, we always, we always quote this psalm most times around a graveside or at funeral services, and that's fine. We get plenty of comfort from it, and I'm not saying anything wrong about that. But this isn't a psalm just for a times like that. This is a psalm of the living. It's not a psalm for the dead. The dead are gone. This is a psalm of witness. This is a psalm of testimony. This is a psalm of living, walking relationship with the Lord. And notice here, whenever we start here, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now you can write under that, the Lord is my shepherd, that's relationship. The Lord is my shepherd, that's relationship. I shall not want, he says. That is supply, how God supplies our needs. We're going to look more on these things in a moment. Then in verse 2 he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That is, um, that is rest. He gives us rest. We can rest in Christ. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's refreshment. You know, well, those times when you're dry in spirit, those times when you're 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 wondering when you need that drink of the Holy Spirit, and He brings you to the still waters, not troubled waters, not fast flowing waters. The sheep that David would have been looking after as a shepherd, He took this from this His relationship with God. And he wouldn't have took them by running waters in case the wool was caught in the river and drowned. God won't bring you somewhere and he won't bring you. If he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And notice here, he, he leadeth me beside still waters. That's refreshment. He gives us refreshment in the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. I love that because that's healing. That's healing. Broken hearts, broken lives. All sorts of lifestyles that we have come from, all sorts of ways and things that that's happened to people, and hurts and hardships and heartaches and heartbreaks and and all sorts of stuff. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. But he restores not just he can heal the body, but he restores the soul. He restores the inward man and he restores the inward woman in salvation and redemption. But he also heals our broken hearts. He comforts those that mourn and he's with us all the way. So he restoreth my soul, that's healing. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness, that's guidance. In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Bring it to the Lord and ask the Lord for guidance on every subject and everything. That's guidance for his namesake. Well, there's purpose. It's for him. He does it for his glory. His name, the, the word name, which we deserve a study in itself, it really means for his fame, for his character witness. You know, your name will be linked to your character. And if someone is, if someone's saying uh, they're, they're a believer and they're going out and they're living like a devil all week, then you, it has to be questioned. Does their name the name of Christ match up to who they're saying they are. Or if you're someone who's violent, you'll get the name of being violent when your name is mentioned. Or, or if someone's been a man's been treating his wife wrong or a woman's been treating her husband wrong, your name is going to get that name. 
That's the character. And God is the same. He says, it's for my character, for my name. Show, And that shows me just how vulnerable and how weak we really are without God. So for his name's sake, he gives us purpose. Purpose in him. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think that's lovely. You think of the times when uh, should, our, should, should the Lord tarry, whether it be the next minute or many, many years away, depending what age we are. Uh, you know, at that moment when the death dew lies cold on our brow, it's then we are going to really realise our relationship with him, his faithfulness to us. And when we pass through the veil, it's that we're not alone. I hear terrible news of these heartbroken families with their loved ones dying from COVID-19 and they can't see them, they can't speak them and they're down alone. And, and look, whether you're a Christian or not, no one wants that. It's a horrible experience, being buried alone and and all of that that's happening at the moment. It's it's just terrible. But you know, when you pass into the veil, if you know Christ, if you're saved, you're not alone. You're not alone. That he'll walk through with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's like David is preaching to the crowd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Look, you know, that's protection. He's not going to fear whatever evil. You know, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things nor life, nor death, nor hate, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us. And that's because of his faithfulness and not ours. And notice, David is as always preaching to the crowd, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Then he turns his attention upward, as it were, if you want inward. He turns his attention to the Lord, for thou art with me. So that's protection for thou art with me. That's God's faithfulness. He's with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. And what comfort greater is there on a time like that? There's assurance. You're assured. Are you assured? Notice verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's hope. That's hope. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's consecration. Setting us apart as his own. Anointing us for the task. Anointing us for the job. Anointing us for the walk. Anointing us for, for the, the fight. Anointing us for the battle. Anointing us for what lies ahead. Thou anointest my head with oil. And David was anointed king. So there is consecration. My cup runneth over. There's abundance. Our God isn't miserable, you know. God isn't a stingy God. God is Our God isn't stingy. He's not stingy in his love and he's not stingy in his grace and he's not stingy in his mercy. He's not stingy in his abundance. My cup runneth over. Seen a lovely saying uh, just uh, last night. And I read this lovely wee saying and I thought it was very good. And it says, the pessimist sees the cup half empty. The optimist sees the cup half full. But the psalmist sees the cup running over. I'll say it again. The pessimist sees the cup half empty. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're pessimistic and you can't see the, 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 the fuller end of things. The optimist sees the cup half full. But the psalmist sees the cup running over. You know, that half empty or that half full cup can turn into a cup of abundance and blessing when you give it to God. <laughs> Ask the young boy who gave him the Lord Jesus his lunch. Five barley loaves and two small fish. Ask him the, the abundance that happened there, the feeding that happened there. And so here we've also found then we have abundance. In verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know, the word there for follow gives the idea of surely goodness and mercy shall chase me down. 
Goodness and mercy shall hunt me down. Goodness and mercy shall pursue after me. Isn't that fantastic? God's goodness and God's mercy hunts us and pursues us down. That's how much he loves you, Christian. He loves you enough to give his son. Psalm 22, the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23, the psalm of the crook, the shepherd to keep you. Psalm 24 is the psalm of the crown. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's security. Secure in Christ. Security. And he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's eternity. That's eternity. There's a lot in this little psalm, isn't there? Is it any wonder it's one of the most uh, quoted and most favourite psalms? There's a wealth in it. And even what I'm going to do tonight is just an overview of it. It isn't really going to do it much justice, really. Notice, it's not just what God is, but what God does. And it's not just what God does, but who he is. For example, in Psalm 23, and if you want to go to verse 2, it says, He makes me, and then he leadeth me. Verse 3, he restores my soul. And verse, verse 4, he is with me, and he comforts me. Verse 5, he prepares a table for me. He anoints me. Notice this tells me, this tells me salvation is of the Lord completely. Start to finish from eternity to eternity. Everything is of him. Everything is from him. Everything is by him. Everything is because of him. Notice first one starts with the Lord. The Lord. The psalm starts with the Lord, Jehovah or Yahweh. Notice the Lord. And look at the last verse. It ends with the Lord. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord. Eternity to eternity. From of old to everlasting. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the first and he's the last. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He says he is that he is that he which was and which is and which is to come, the Almighty. Notice which was, which is, which is to come, the Almighty. And when we think of it, which was Psalm twenty two died on the cross. Which is Psalm twenty three, he's with us in the spirit. Which is to come, he's coming in the clouds of glory, the King from heaven is coming. He's the Almighty. I think it's fantastic. I think it's marvellous, the riches that's in the word of God. So notice, the Lord is my shepherd in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Just for a minute, I want to look at this. The Lord is. The Lord is. You know, the Lord has told Moses that he is the I am. The Lord Jesus mentions no less than seven I am's. And pardon me, John mentions no less than seven I am's of the Lord Jesus in his gospel. And there are others like in Revelation, but in his gospel. And the Lord is the I am, not I will be, or not I was, I am, present tense. I am that I am. I am everything. I am it all. And so here the Lord is, is given the idea of present tense. The Lord is now. The Lord was then. The Lord is now. The Lord will be. Notice, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to look at this little saying through some scriptures that the Lord is just for a few moments. For example, in Exodus 15 and verse 2, they've just come through the Red Sea and they're praising the Lord. Uh, in Exodus 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. Now, I've picked some of these for a reason. This is why I want to, I want to just stop at this one for a moment. Exodus, 5, Exodus 15 and 2, the Lord is. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice Exodus 15 and 2, Moses is singing, the Lord is my strength and my song. See the word Lord? It's the word Yah. 
The Lord, Yah, is my strength and my song. Yah, now take this in, because there's a lot in this little verse. Yah is my strength. So then Yah is my song, and he, that is Yah, has become my salvation. The word salvation is Yeshua. So notice, Yah, for or Yahweh, Yah is my strength, Yah is my song, and Yah is become my Yeshua. Yeshua, or in our English translation, is Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah or Yah is salvation. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He's Yahweh in the flesh. He's Yahweh in the flesh. Notice, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. So Yah is my strength. Yah is my song. He, that is Yah, has become my salvation or my Yeshua. He, Yeshua, Yah, is my God. <laughs> he is my El, as in Elohim. He's my El, my God. Powerful in one verse. In one song, crossing the Red Sea, Israel out the other side. It's powerful. Word of God is magnificent. The first, the first mention of the word El, E-L, as in Elohim. So Elohim would be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Or in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Elohim is singular yet plural in majesty. And we can see the pluralistic majesty here in, in Exodus 15 and 2. Yah has become my salvation, he, or my Yeshua. He is my God. Fantastic. Notice here, El, first mention is in Genesis 14 and in verse 18. Genesis 14 and in verse 18. And this is when, after the, the battle of the kings with Abraham, or Abram, uh, uh, pardon me, Abraham and Abraham, Abram became Abraham, pardon me, and, and he, he meets Melchizedek. Now we can't go into the whole story, and this is the time when he pays tithes to Melchizedek. But listen to what it says in Genesis 14 and verse 18. It says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Or, he was the priest of the Most High God or the Most High El, as in we have already spoke of. It's the first mention of El, not Elohim now, El. Now notice this. Abram, or if we call him Abraham, meets Melchizedek, the king of, the, 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 the king of peace or the king of Salem. And notice this here. It says, if you notice there's a king, he brings bread, he brings wine, he's a priest, and he's the priest of the Most High God. Or, if you want, from the Most High God. Does this not picture Christ, the King? He's not only King, but he's a King of Peace. Does not only picture Christ in the bread and the wine? This is my body when he broke it, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This, is, this cup is the, the new cup of my blood, which is of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Uh, and, that, and we do that when we break bread and drink from the cup. And he's the priest as Jesus, not our great high priest. Is he not the man in the glory? And he's God. He's God. Second Samuel chapter 22. Going back to the Lord is. The Lord is. The Lord is my shepherd. Second Samuel 22 and 2, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Let me go on. Psalm 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You, you need to get these into your spirit, Christian, if you're full of anxiety or fear or worry. You might be worried about the pandemic and worried about the things that's happening. Come on, take the word of God and feast on it rather than the social media that drags you down and fills your head and all the things that are flying around at the minute, just confusing people. Get into the word. The news, the news sure would 
it would make you feel lower than low. You get into the word, look, the Lord is my light. The Lord is what? My salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is. See, present tense, all of these things. Psalm 94, verse 22. The Lord is my defense. Who's going to defend you? The Lord. The Lord. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 24. The Lord is my portion. Well, that's more than enough, is it not? He is more than enough. He fulfills us. That slightest portion of Christ is more than enough to fulfill our souls and to satisfy us. The Lord is my portion. Notice, saith my soul. That's fantastic. In other words, it's not just me saying it. Uh, here, Lamentations, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, as he's known, he said, the Lord is my portion, saith my nephesh, the living me, the seed of my understanding and my will. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, because he is that, I will hope in him. I will hope in him. So we go to Zechariah 13 and verse 9. The Lord is my God. And here the word God is Elohim. As in Genesis 1 and 1. Through the Lord is my God. And you know if you're in Christ then the Lord Jesus Christ is your God. And God is the Lord. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. Very God of very God. Man of very man. When we go to Hebrews 13. This is. The last one before we go into Psalm 23 again. Hebrews 13, pardon me, verse 6. It says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Notice, the Lord is my helper. And that's what he does every day with me. I might not be the best at times. I might not be the greatest. I might not be the most faithful to him. I may, I, I'm, I'm just... I'm just a man. The, the best of men are men at their best. And he's my helper. When I have, to, I have to rethink my thoughts, when I have to rethink my mind, when I have to trans be transformed by the renewing of my mind to the word of God, whether it's things coming against me or things that are upsetting me or things that have annoyed me or things coming to try and make me afraid. Train them on the word of God. Focus in our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we may boldly say. That is, with, that, that is that we have a confidence. The Lord is my helper. You know wherever you are. The Lord's my helper. Set with confidence. Set with assurance. Set with certainty. Set with boldness. And believe it. The Lord is my helper. He's my helper. So Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my helper shepherd to look now at the shepherd because psalm 80 and verse 1 says give ear o shepherd of israel thou that leadest leadest joseph like a flock thou that dwellest between the cherubim shine forth here what they're saying is uh, the the o shepherd of israel the the lord who shepherded israel through the wilderness after exodus 15 and 2 yah the strength the song Yah, who has become the salvation, the Yeshua, the El, the God of Israel. Notice he says, now this shepherd shepherded us through the Red Sea, shepherded us through the wilderness and shepherded us through time. He says, now that leadest Joseph like a flock coming out of Egypt. And Joseph and then became known as the northern kingdom of Israel. And, and, and he says, you're shepherding us even in our wanderings. Even in our, our, our dispersions. You have shepherded us. Notice. Thou that dwellest between the cherubim shine forth. And in the Ark of the Covenant. In the Holy of Holies. There was the two cherubims on the top. And the glory came down between the two cherubims. With their wings touching wing. And that's what he means. The glory that comes down. And shining in that uh, Holy of Holies. Which only the high priest of Israel saw. And there on the mercy seat with the sprinkled blood. Their atonement was made. And he's saying, would you shine forth for us? Shine forth again. 
And may God, who led the nation then, lead our nation through this, your nation, wherever nation you're in, may he lead our nation through this pandemic. May he lead us through our difficulties. May he lead us through all that we need. Our nation's in a terrible condition, irregardless of this pandemic. The sin of our nation, the, the poverty of our nation, the things that were happening in our nation and the lies and the cheating and the, the skullduggery. And, and the, it was just in a terrible state. God thrown out of everything and everywhere. Schools and colleges and universities and humanism and secularism, atheism and communism and Marxism, rife and in the government. And, oh, uh, and it was just so godless an environment. God, would you lead Joseph like a flock? You who shine between the cherubims, would you shine forth again, maybe say. May God lead us as a people again. Notice here, here's another one. First Peter chapter 2 and in verse 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are ye returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls, the shepherd or the overseer. Isn't that great that he, he leads us in our soul? He looks after the soul who's trusting in him and he oversees us every day. I'm so glad of that. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Really, really grateful. First Peter chapter 22, 25 that is. But you know, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, before we go into verse 25, says of the Lord Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins might, should live, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Then he goes into, for ye, we were as sheep gone astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Peter is alluding this to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. That's verse 24 in 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 verse 25 correlates with Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, Yah, hath laid on him, Yahshua. The iniquity of us all, or the Father has laid on his Son the iniquity of us all. It's just scripture just dovetails, fits in together beautifully. And then in first Peter chapter five and in verse four. First Peter chapter five and verse four, it says oh, that when the chief shepherd shall appear, second coming of Christ. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Here's our glorification. Change body. Eh? Our bodies will be fashioned like unto his own glorious body. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Psalm 22, the cross. His own self bear our sins, his own body on the tree. The cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For we were a sheep gone astray. Here's the shepherd in Psalm 23, who's keeping us, bringing us back again. And then 1 Peter 5 and verse 4. The chief shepherd shall appear. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. There's Psalm 24. He is this king of glory. When he returns, we will be with him and we will be changed. Powerful. So in John chapter 10, pardon me, Hebrews 13 and 20, we've one more here. Speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ and calls him that great shepherd of the sheep. So Hebrews 13 and 20 says, the Lord Jesus is the great shepherd. The word great is magus. It's where we get the, the, our, our word maga, big and mighty. Magus. So notice this. That great shepherd of the sheep is the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 11. The Lord Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ is the chaos or the good shepherd, the attractive, the winsome, the beautiful shepherd. John chapter 10 and verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and am known of my sheep and, am, and, my, and 
know my sheep and I'm known of mine. I'll say it again. John 10 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. The word here for known. The word here for known. It is a word, gnosko. And gnosko means to come to know, to understand, listen, or to be intimate with. To be intimate with. As a husband is intimate with his wife. Let me give you an example of this. So here's the shepherd with the sheep. And he's saying I have my sheep. And there's others who are not my sheep. Notice what he says here. For example in Matthew 7 and verse 23. He says of those. And then will I profess unto them. I never knew you. Depart from me ye that work iniquity. Oh what, what, what terrible. Dreadful. I can't even think of what that would be like for the Lord Jesus to say, I don't know you. The idea is, Jesus knows everybody. Sure, he's God, isn't he? Well, how can he not know people? He doesn't, it doesn't mean he doesn't know of them. He doesn't know them intimately. He doesn't know them personally. He doesn't know them as his own. Like a husband and a wife would know each other closely. He says, I don't know you. Depart from me. You know, the Lord, the Lord said to Israel in the Old Testament, of you have I only known of all the families of the earth. Imagine that. That's what the Lord says. So notice here, the Lord saying, I don't know you, the son. Matthew 13 and verse 11. Notice, this, notice now what he says. The Lord Jesus says, because it is given unto you, that's his disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's given you to know the mysteries. But to them it is not given. Talking about to these Pharisees who would understand. And those who would reject him there. And he's saying here. It's given to you disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Notice this is revelation given by election. It's given to you. But it's not given to them. I think this is. I mean he's saying here. You know the mysteries of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom from of the, the, the seed of God what is the kingdom the redemption of the blood the sacrificial offering the coming of Christ what is the kingdom you know the kingdom of God found in in Israel the kingdom of God Abraham Isaac Jacob Israel the kingdom that will fill the whole earth when Christ returns when he comes to rule and reign then the whole universe a new heaven and a new earth. The mysteries of it. Uh, the entering of it through by grace through faith in the blood of the Lamb. It's given to us. There's people it's not given to. I spoke quite a bit at the weekend. Pardon me, it wasn't a weekend. It was the last yesterday. Part of Sunday night and yesterday. Online to an atheist who just could not be persuaded. He came on to me saying a few things. But he... That weren't nice, but he I he talked with me for quite a bit, and on Monday, quite a bit, and there's he just couldn't see it, couldn't see it. No matter what I showed him, no matter what I gave him, no matter what I told him, no matter what I sent to him, he just couldn't see it. So you pray for that man. Notice Psalm twenty three, the Lord is my shepherd. Intimate personal relationship with the shepherd. Notice here. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. You can write there, Jehovah Orohe. That means the Lord is my shepherd. And then we, it says, I shall not want. I shall not want. You can write there, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. I shall not want. The Lord will see to it. And that will come from Genesis 22, verse 14, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And the Lord spoke to him not to, and the Lord said, "The Lord provided the ram caught in the thicket." Abraham says, "Son, the Lord will provide Himself a sacrifice. Not the Lord will provide for Himself a sacrifice, but the Lord will provide. Notice Himself. He provided Himself in the person of His Son. Notice then, in verse two: He maketh me to lie down in green pastures; He leadeth me beside still waters." And here you can write there Jehovah Shalom throughout the New Testament. He's Jehovah 
my peace. Read Judges 6 verses 23 and 24. I haven't time to tell everything, but you can you can read that there. And then he says, he restoreth my soul. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. The Lord says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Jehovah Rapha or Rufika. I am the Lord that healeth thee or I am the Lord that keepeth thee in health. And he gave Israel the ways to farm and the ways to to wash and the way, things to wear. And he actually even gave them the things to eat. You wouldn't find the Lord's uh, dietary uh, requirements in Wuhan and places like that. Maybe if they stuck to that, if we stuck to that, we'd all be healthier. And then he says, it says, he restoreth my soul, I am the Lord that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha, Rufika. And then we have, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice Jeremiah 30, 23 and verse 6, and in Jeremiah 33 and verse 16, he's called Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. And then, we have Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, or the Lord is with me. And you'll read that in the end of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 48 and verse 35. He's with us. He's omnipresent. And then we find in Psalm 23, verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And that's Jehovah Nisi. That means the Lord is my banner. He's my banner. And you'll find out in Exodus 17 and verse 15. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. That is Jehovah Makadesh or Jehovah Makadeshkum. And that means the Lord or Jehovah Yahweh who sanctifies me. <laughs> 